Welcome to Bubbles and Books, a podcast about two of the best things in life, books and champagne, brought to you by Amanda and Ellen, co-owners of your local independent bookstore, Dogbeard Books in Inside. First, give me a cheers. Okay. Okay, we're ready. And books are sexy. We are here on a mildly chilly, busy downtown day. Rachel's wearing a fake engagement ring in hopes that it will turn into a real engagement <laughs> ring. <laughs> We're back from Seattle, which yeah. was like, whoa, crazy time. Learned so much. So many bookstores. Interesting experiences, to say the least. And then we came back and I was like, oh, yeah, you have a store to run. So yeah, we're catching our, up now. And our... Um, Tommy, who does all our inventory receiving, has been gone this week. So we are playing catch up, plus doing all the receiving, plus getting ready for a book fair. It's been kind of like a whirl, whirlwind type of week. Which is one of the many reasons we're popping bubbles this morning <clears throat> to celebrate. Le Rocailles? Rocaille? Le Rocaille. Rachel it's- has a really good French accent. You should give it to yeah. her. <laughs> That's, that's Italian. Not, that's not French. What the, um, that's also not French. It's from France. That's what's important. This is a French champagne, and the most important word, it's dry, brut, and it has a beautiful little diamond on it. So I wonder if that's what rokai means. Let's look it up because I think that'd be interesting to know. Translate rokai. French. Okay, here's pronunciation, and we can roquet, 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 le roquet, and um, it means rock garden. Oh, okay. if you drank a diamond roquet while you were playing croquet, that would be problematic because rocks would get in the way of your game. Yeah, but you might discover hidden, hidden gems. <laughs> Ooh, there we hit. go. All right. The most important celebratory part of our podcast today is the introduction of a new tradition, the Shambong. This was an Amanda find in Seattle. We went and to- it has changed the way we're going to consume champagne from now on. Yeah. Um, we went to La Dive, and La Dive advertises Shambongs. And Shambong <laughs> does not have pot in it, never fear- law-abiding <laughs> Iowans, but it is an interesting vessel for consuming champagne. It has a glass champagne flute, and off one side is a glass straw. So you just tip it back and drink it up. What did I say? Lift it up and suck on it. Yeah, that's what he told me. That's what I, told <laughs> you. I was like, how should I approach this? He said, lift it up, up and, and suck, suck on it. it. So anyway, we put down some champagne pretty quickly with these shambongs, and we decided Bubbles and Books needed their own shambongs. Yeah, and if it goes well, we should get some branded shambongs to sell. Goal. Look <laughs> it up. Google it. Ours are fancy. They're glass, and they're footed. Let's have a sip. Okay. Cheers. Oh, yeah. Mm. Excellent. Interesting. Okay. So this is rock garden champagne. What does that <laughs> even mean? It tastes mineral to me. It has a mineral taste. So maybe 
I don't know. They put rocks. In Maybe the there's box. rocks in this champagne. I don't know. It tastes very mineral, but it's good, and it's in a chambon, so we're not going to complain. We're not complaining. All right. So context: one of the first nights we were there, looking for places to visit, bookstores, and eat because Seattle's a great foodie town. We found La Dive. We hit La Dive before going to Elliott Bay. So I guess we could start there. Well, should we talk about what we're reading first? Oh, okay. And then we'll get there. <clears throat> and then get to it. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, we have to introduce the Shambongs. Okay, so we introduced <laughs> the Shambongs and the Rock Garden Champagne, and we're happy with it. Um, I am reading, I have some questions for you by Rebe- Rebecca Mackay. Rebecca Mackay is known for her book, The Great Believers. It was very well received. This is a very interesting Format. It kind of has like an easy sell of true crime podcast setting. Um, a successful podcaster, film professor, Bodie Kane, is returning to the town that she attended boarding school in during her youth. Her high school years were spent at, I believe, a New Hampshire boarding school, very exclusive. She had a very complicated family background. Her father had died. Her brother committed suicide. Her mom was off the rails. She'd been taken in by a Mormon family that was very wealthy and connected. They sent her to boarding school. She didn't have a strong identity, felt very lost, an outsider in a very privileged environment. So her years spent there were not glorious. She has since moved on and become very successful. Um, She's been invited back to teach a mini-mester, you know, like one of those Mm -hmm. January terms. Two weeks, going to talk about uh, podcasting and film. So she's back for that, but her time spent there brings back the memories of the student who was killed her junior year. It was her, um, or it might've been her senior year, but um, her sophomore year roommate was found murdered in the school's pool. And of course, someone was pegged for it. Um, The black training assistant who worked in the gym with them, you know, Older, but close enough to the age of the kids that he had a good rapport with them. He's pegged for it. Okay. Um, There is some DNA evidence, but it's circumstantial other than that. Um, And she's looking back and she's questioning, was the right man convicted? There's been over all these decades, these two decades, lots of questioning, you know. The, the internet world has much to say about was the right man convicted, similar to Serial, you know, uh, and Anna Syed was the right man put in jail. Mm-hmm. So people really enjoy entertaining themselves by debating this young girl's murder. And so Bodhi is confronting her memories and her feelings and also contextualizing it in the society we live in, where this is just one of many stories of a young girl being murdered and then her murder being sensationalized. So her approach to placing this particular murder in the context of all the other uh, sexual assaults, uh, murders, um, is really interesting. She's having a very interesting conversation about what is sexual assault and how does our society handle it when an accuser steps forward. Um, So I'm really enjoying it. And I'm listening to it on audiobook and it's very good. So I 
I'm going to read this now okay. that I hear your description. Mm-hmm. I've seen this book come in and I, I know who the author is. And for some reason, like I did not know what the book was about. The cover reads to me a little like sci-fi. Yes, definitely not sci-fi. So I was just assuming that that's kind of what it was. Not that I have a problem with sci-fi. I like to read sci-fi a little bit. Um, yeah. But no, this sounds really good. Yeah, it's up your alley. Okay, cool. I'm not to the end. So I, I, I have... A long ways left, I think. I mean, I'm already halfway through, but I'm I'm enjoying well, we the some conversation. Well, we got some damaged copies in yesterday, yes. so I'll go grab one. Yeah, I'm enjoying the conversation. I think it's very relevant to the the world we live in. So, what are you reading, Ellen? Well, I finished one book this morning, and I started another. Hey, dog-eared book sweatshirt spotted yeah. in the wild. Yeah, just out the window. We just saw someone. <clears throat> I bet they're coming down to our store. Probably. Awesome. Okay, so I finished <clears throat> Locust Lane by Stephen oh. Amidon. It's a, also a mystery. Okay. But it's a little... What are you laughing about, Rachel? It's a mystery-ish. Okay. So it takes place in um, Massachusetts, wealthy sort of suburb area. And a 20-year-old girl is murdered. And it's like the week aftermath of the murder. So what we know is that she had three friends over the night of the murder. Mm-hmm. Three teenage friends. <clears throat> and um, one of them is accused of murdering her. Okay. And so the story is told from the perspectives of these teens' parents. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one of the the father of the accused boy the stepmother of the girl who was with them, mm-hmm. and then the mother of the other boy who was there, who has some shady tendencies. Right. Okay. And then the other perspectives that are included are the mother of the victim mm-hmm. and this guy who happened to be driving down the street that night in a drunken haze, hit a dog, and was like help trying to you know, deal with that and saw somebody outside this house where he found out the next day a murder had taken place. Wow. I like that approach. Like they're not, he's the only witness. And then the parents are just involved. Extraneous characters. And they know the next day, like in all three of those, the parents, when their kids came home, were acting weird. Okay, and they're all identified early on as having been there. So each parent is trying to figure out, like, how do I protect my child? Right. Um, so it's kind of interesting. It doesn't. It did not end the way I expected it to end, and I'm mm. not unhappy about it. Okay. Um, but it was an interesting way to construct the story. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and all then right. I started this morning, Saturday night at Lakeside Supper Club. J. Ryan Straydall. Mm-hmm. So far, so good. I'm only like, like two chapters in. Yeah. It's so very I can't really speak on it, but it's yeah, with his his backlist. He I my favorite way to describe him is Midwestern potluck of characters. Like he brings it all together, all the quirky people like you would have at a potluck. Yeah, I mean so connected. far it's like I mean it takes place in like kind of tourist Lake Minnesota. Yeah. And so yes, very Midwest vibes already. Yep. yep. All right. So, okay, so we discussed Chambon's, probably the most important takeaway we got from this week-long professional development. Was the change in how we consume our champagne. Yeah. Yeah. Worth it. Life-changing. Um, so that was Chambon's. Thank you, Seattle, for the Chambon. I think the next 
highlight would be the opportunity this conference gave us to meet, to shake hands with, to hug, to smile at, take a picture with some mega authors that just really made our dreams come true. So let's start with the coincidental one. After having consumed Shambongs. Yeah, we went over to Elliott Bay. Which, side note, the coolest bookstore in the United States. I'm just saying right now. Somebody else could usurp them. Besides ours. Book Seems Iowa. Yeah, besides ours. And one of the reasons why we enjoyed it so much is we saw a lot of familiar best practices in their store, but their storefront is like got these old warehouse windows, this great entrance. You walk in, there's these ginormous tall ceilings with wood beams, gorgeous uh, medium tone wood shelves, everywhere. Just tons and tons of shelving. They had an entire wall of staff picks. That was so fun to see, to browse those. Um, they had sections we don't have. Um, they have this I mean, upper just for loft. reference, probably square footage wise, they're what? four times bigger than us. At least. Maybe six. Yeah. Um, they had an adorable cafe in the back, um, which wasn't operating at the time we were there because we were there with 400 other booksellers having really good food and drink. Um, so we were browsing the shelves and... So yeah, we were in fiction. Yeah, we were in fiction. And I was in there with Amy and I saw Where'd You Go, Bernadette by Maria Semple, Outward Facing. Yes. And I said, Amy, have you read this book? It takes place in Seattle. It's a great book. Yeah. And she was like, no, I haven't read it. So I picked it up because I was going to buy it for her. Mm-hmm. We go on. We keep browsing. It's just the three of us. Right. And then this lady that's kind of crouched down also browsing in the near vicinity. And then she stands up and goes, oh, that's my book. <laughs> and we were like, what? And then she stood up and her um, name tag was Maria Semple. And we freaked the fuck out. It was so good. I have shivers that just went through my whole body right we now. We were like, oh, my God. We made total fools of ourselves. But I think she liked it. Because she decided to buy the book for Amy. Yeah, she bought the book for Amy (laughs) and she signed it to Amy and she was delightful. Yeah, she was great. She did not have an air of self-importance. She was just a average gal at a bookstore browsing the collection. And so you and I were talking to her about how much we loved her storytelling approach, the type of story she wrote that had that blend of humor, but also relatable topics. Mm -hmm. And we said, you know, the only book that's come close to doing what you've done would be Lessons in Chemistry, which came out this last year. And she's like, oh, funny. I'm having lunch with Bonnie Garmus tomorrow. (laughs) Like, of course we are. I'm like, tell us where. No. (laughs) Yeah. No. Can we just kind of creep on you? Um, So be there. She let us hug her and take a picture with her. She signed the book. She was amazing. And yeah, then we, she was that so was our lovely. night was made or the whole week was made by that. Yeah. And I love that book. And it's probably been like 10 years since I've read yep. it. Yep. And she also agreed with us that the movie did not do her book justice. So if you've ever seen the movie, uh-uh. Got to read the book. Read the book. It is so much richer, so much funnier. Go ahead, Rachel. Okay. I've not read the book, but I've seen the movie. I loved the movie, but could acknowledge that I knew I wasn't getting everything I could have gotten the book. It, the, it was Lanchett darker. Was so yeah. Kate yeah. Blanchett was great. Kristen Wiig could have been better. She was underutilized. And it just, there was so much more quirkiness and humor in the book. So, Maria, we love you. Thank you for being our friend. Um, We'll never forget our experience (laughs) meeting you. 
Yeah, that was cool. And then yeah. we were like, oh, how are we going to top this? We're you not. Know? Um, but we did have a couple other exciting experiences. So, oh, uh, mention your find. So when we go to bookstores, it doesn't matter where they are, we try to solicit recommendations from the booksellers on staff. Why do we do that, right? We see all the books that are coming out, but... We don't, we can't read every single book in print. Well, and sometimes, you know, I go to a bookstore and I see a book that they're pushing that I haven't heard of. Right. Or that we didn't bring in Mm -hmm. when we did our ordering. And it's like, oh, it makes me kind of curious. Like, what am I missing out here? So you were talking to another bookseller. It wasn't an LA Bay bookseller. No. Um, This bookseller owns a queer feminist bookstore um, in New England. I'm blanking on the name of it, but I will find it and I will, because I've got her card and I'll give it to Rachel and she can put it in the... In the post. But um, I got to talking to her and I said, like, so like, what are you, what's the number one book you're hand selling right now? And she was like, Patricia wants to cuddle. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. Tell me about it. And she's like, well, picture this. Bachelor type of show. Bigfoot. Lesbians. Horror. And I was like, it's fucking sold. Yeah, that's <laughs> everything you ever wanted. So then she found it for me in Elliott Bay and I bought it and I yeah. read it on the trip and it was delightful. And now we carry we, we it carry at Dogged Books. We carry it. So that's what we're looking for in experiences like this. First of all, we walked the floors of Elliott Bay and we were like, oh my God, best practices. Lots of outward facing books, tons of shelf talkers showing the recommendations of their many booksellers. They are so big and successful. They don't have to do that kind of stuff, but they're doing it because they know that's what makes indie bookstores special. Yep. So we saw that my find was, we are Kevin Wilson fans. We are. We picked Kevin Wilson's Now is Not the Time to Panic for our November subscription. Uh, we've read his backlist, but they had everything that's in print <laughs> by Kevin Wilson. So I picked up one I hadn't read before. I'm super excited about it. It has a great cover. Um, so that was really fun. And um, yeah. Yeah, it's an amazing store. Yeah. Like they, you know, if there's, if you are ever in that area, you should definitely go there. Right. So what did we have for other amazing experiences? Mine, I think might have happened first and then yours happened. I don't know, but we both got to meet like some idols. So I want to talk about meeting Emma Strapp. Emma Straub is one of my favorite authors. I discovered her with The Vacationers about a family, I believe, in the countryside of Italy on vacation for several weeks or the summer. And I just really related to the dynamics of the family members, the well-meaning parents, the teenage girl kind of figuring out who she is. Um, And I also read All Adults here. Loved it. The family dynamics, again, these are multi-generational family stories. And the underlying tone of everything she writes is goodness and love will win. I can, I just feel it in everything she writes. And so I compare her to different artworks. Um, you know, in art, we need people who show suffering and um, challenges, and they're processing that through their artwork. And there are also artists who are showing us something beautiful and something happy and glorious, and they're commemorating that. Emma writes books like that, the things that show us the goodness and make us feel hopeful. And so um, also, she is the owner of Books Are Magic in Brooklyn. Uh, They now have a second location 
which I'm so excited to visit next time I see my sister in Brooklyn. Um, she's such a role model for uh, a young a, a woman about our age who is both doing social justice work, is a deeply committed and loving mother, is an artist, and has a very cool bookstore. I mean, like you'd be hard pressed to find a more on trend bookstore than Books Are Magic. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows them. I mean, Rachel's Rachel's wearing her sweatshirt right now. (laughs) Books Are Magic, Brooklyn NY. We really love their merch. I learned uh, through conversation uh, amongst the group that knew her that her husband does all their merch design. Oh, cool. So he has like an artist background, which is so cool. Anyway, I got to go to dinner. And thanks to my connections with our trade rep uh, with Penguin Random House, who is her publisher, uh, my trade rep sent a message to someone who was going to be at the event that said, make sure Amanda gets to meet Emma. (laughs) So we get there and uh, this friend, Nicole, comes up. She said, my one job tonight is to make sure you meet Emma. So everyone's getting settled into their seats and she comes over and she's like, okay, the moment's now. Let's go. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. (laughs) So I go over there and I get a chance to tell her like how much her work means to me and what a role model she is in all these ways. And she just gave me the best hug and she was so real and so genuine. It was lovely. I got to have my Emma moment and I can live on that forever. But I really want to be her BFF forever. So, Well, when you were at that dinner, I was at a dinner Mm -hmm. with one of her books are magic people mm-hmm. who Julia who was also just a lovely human like just yeah. so so kind and generous and like what they're about is is like just what you're talking about yeah and Goodness. I think it's really cool mm-hmm. so that was my moment your moment happened uh, at the author reception uh, okay so give the context you had read okay so book. I read this book chain gang all-stars mm-hmm. back in January it mm-hmm. comes out in May mm-hmm. um obsessed with it mm-hmm. blew my fucking mind mm-hmm. okay when I read it, I I didn't know like anything anything about the just author. Picked it up. I just saw the name didn't ring a bell for me or anything. <clears throat> well, turns out um, the author Nane Kwame Ajebrenya was one of the keynote speakers at Winter Institute on a panel, and then he was at this reception for authors. And I was mm-hmm. like, if there is one person I'm going to meet, it's going to be Nane Kwame. Because Ellen kind of has the hots for him. And oh my God, he's so hot. Like I didn't, I would have geeked out of over him right. anyway because right. I'm obsessed with his book. Right. But he's also so hot. And like sweet. And so sweet. Yeah. So I got in the line and I was like, oh, I'm going to make a fool of myself. Mm-hmm. Amy, take a bunch of pictures. And she did. Yeah. So then I got up and I, you know, word vomited at him. Mm-hmm. And he was also very lovely and kind and, you know humble you know for a guy who wrote something as brilliant as this book right and this isn't his debut but this is his like debut novel novel yeah and so he um he was he seemed so flattered and he was so humble about it and which is really cool because i don't know my prediction is that chain gang all-stars is going to win a bunch of awards i think so too and he just seemed genuinely like, oh my, someone likes my book. <laughs> like, man, you got a big future ahead for you. Okay, so Nane Kwame, I told you I'm from Iowa. You said maybe you would come to Iowa because there's a writer's workshop. And I said, yeah, but we're a couple hours away from there. But you could remember that one lady you met from Iowa and you could come. So, so here's our refrain that we will repeat again and again and again till we get to have you. Please come, Nane. 
So authors, we already mentioned one bookstore we went to, but we also did our usual bookstore crawl. Okay, but I got to tell you who else I met. Oh, tell me. I met Colson Whitehead. <gasps> oh, yeah. Also very humble, lovely. I didn't talk to him a lot because the line was so long for Colson Whitehead. And I met Abraham Verghese, who oh, wrote Cutting yes. for Stone. And he's so funny because he was so not a performer Mm-hmm. he's not a he doesn't you can see he doesn't consider himself a public persona he was just like sitting there in his leather jacket amy and i both geeked out he has a son who goes to law school at the university of iowa so small chance he'll come but didn't you think that was true of a lot of the authors like they're celebrities to us but mm-hmm. a lot of them seemed like a little bit like <laughs> Not uncomfortable, but just like I don't know what to do here. Like I'm not used to this kind of attention. Mm-hmm. And you and I met Adrian Broder, and yes. we fangirled a little bit over her. We love her biography memoir, uh, Wild more game. memoir, memoir, Wild Game. Um, she has new her first work of fiction coming out. Where we both grabbed arcs, we're excited to read them. So it was really cool. Um, I met John Classen who is oftentimes the right hand to Mac Barnett. They have so many projects together that are humorous and dry. So I met John Classen. Of course, he was wearing his cute little dad cap. Um, (laughs) He has a book of Tyrolean folktales coming out. So they're like dark. They've got skulls. They've got weird things in it. I'm really excited. It's a, a long form collection that will be really fun to sell in the store. And I was like one of the last people, they almost were out of his books. It was the, aside from Colson Whitehead, it was the longest line. Yeah, it was. So yeah, that was really fun. Um, Oh, Brian Selznick, author of The Invention of Hugo Cabaret and several others like the Marvels and, um, Wonderstruck. I love his work. He has a new one coming out called Big Tree, and it's written from the perspective of two, I believe, sycamore um, seeds that are siblings that fall off their little sycamore ball of seeds. <laughs> okay. And they they grow up, and it's about like all of the characters of the forest, the understory, uh, relating to one another. And it is very much like an earth-focused book. Cool. Um, in which all the elements have been personified. Um, listening to him talk was incredibly moving, and I got to tell him how important his work was for my reluctant reader, Charlotte. This, these were the books that she and I bonded over because they're heavily illustrated. His approach to bookmaking is unlike anyone else. Endless pages of highly detailed and realistic um, pencil line drawings, Gorgeous. So um, this is really fun. And the backstory on this one, Big Tree, is that it was originally a movie that Steven Spielberg wanted to make. And he wanted Brian Selznick to write it. Oh, wow. So I want to write a story about this, like the crustacean era or something like that. <laughs> and Brian was like, mm. I don't, I don't know if this is going to work. But he said yes, because he's like, who says no to Steven Spielberg? I'll just go. We'll have a meeting. He'll realize this isn't going to make a good movie. But they were like, no, we're going to make a movie. We're going to do it. And so he started working on it. But then the pandemic hit and he kept working on this story and he had fallen in love with it. And so he said, hey, Steven, uh, I think we both realized this is not going to make a movie. Can I make a book out of it? And he said, yes. 
So that's so cool. Yeah, really cool story. Um, so those were author highlights, but so we did we visit. We love, yes, we love those. Ah! Oh, there goes the shambong. Oh, payback. Even, no. even, hey, even. Listeners, pause, Amanda just pause. Just champagne on Rachel's computer in a full circle moment. All right, so we got we got authors. That was like the best. We visited bookstores. We talked about Elliot Bay, but a few others are worth note. Um, we uh, I visited with Amy. Uh, Zamolik are one of our managers. The third place books in Ravenna. I kept calling it Ravenna, but it's Ravenna. Um, they had an excellent curation, just chock full of books. Um, so a little bit of jealousy there, but it was really fun. And I picked up a cocktail book um, <laughs> of drinks inspired by Seattle. So oh, cool. I'll be sure to update you. So are you going to bring some in? I think I should. I well, think you, should. you mean of the cocktail book? No, I mean, are you? I will make, make you. I'll make cocktail. you some. I'll make you some. <laughs> so I'm going to find the best one, and I'll make you a cocktail. So that was my cool. fun takeaway. They had just a wealth of shelf space that was really fun, and they had great, just a great vibe being there. A super busy cafe, um, just chock full of people on a Sunday. Um, that was really interesting to see. We visited Queen Anne Bookstore. In the Queen Anne neighborhood of Seattle. Yeah, and it's it's a small store, but it's so lovely. Like, right. It's, the curation is wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's a really cute environment. Right. It's like, I felt it. I felt a very like calming. It glowed. Experience in there. And their staff was like very engaged with people mm-hmm. coming in. You know, we're yeah. happy we were there. They, you know, wanted to talk with us. I picked up a couple from their staff picks that I had not discovered before. And so that was fun. That's those are the kind of experiences I want to discover curation. I want to come away with my own book recommendations that can enrich my reading life. We did enjoy seeing their genreified young adult section, yes. and we came away from that experience uh, saying we should do this. We should segment our YA section into the same genres we provide for our adult readers and see if it allows our young adult readers to better find what they're looking for. So now we have a fantasy sci-fi section. It's very large. Young adult uh, books are heavily sci-fi fantasy, but they also love dead people. So we have a mystery (laughs) thriller section, lots of dead high school kids, um, and then we have like realistic fiction. Yeah. And that includes historical and romance as well, because those are all based in reality. No magic is happening and generally people aren't being killed. So, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy shopping in that newly organized section that we worked on. That's, that's what we're Thanks, talking about. Thanks Queen Anne for the inspiration. Yeah. Thank you, Queen Anne. Um, and yeah, it was just fun to bop around town. Finney books, Madison books, Secret Garden Books. Um, Secret Garden Books. We tried to go to Left Bank Collective. Yeah, we did not have success getting in. They weren't open. They weren't open. But they, we, I think we visited like 12 bookstores. Oh, yeah. Arendelle Books. The, the, the list is unending. That's the way we like to roll. Rachel wasn't there, so and we don't. We didn't dance. If you don't bring the social media person, it's like it didn't happen. Because <laughs> nobody's there. We promise I we have, were there. We I have, have pictures. Receipts. We have, I have pictures receipts. you can share. We have receipts <laughs> of the money we dumped. 
Um, but I will send you pictures. We got many storefront pictures. We did. Yeah. We'll see. I'll share those with you. But, you know, we spent the whole week in Seattle and we got to do all sorts of things. We got to act like tourists. We, you know, took the ferry, rode the Ferris wheel, did Space Needle. Amanda freaked the fuck out over a fire hydrant that said Iowa on it. Oh, my God. It was from Oskaloosa. We're in <laughs> Seattle on the far, far, as they call it, the upper left of the United States. And I look, I don't even know what made me look at that freaking fire hydrant, but it was like <laughs> Oskaloosa, Iowa. I guess they're the maker like, of Picture! all the fire hydrants. <laughs> it was hilarious. But the coolest thing was we got to spend the week hanging out with other people who do what we do. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good opportunity to get support, to get ideas, but really like to learn stuff from each other. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we are all experiencing a lot of the same challenges and so it's really helpful for me to learn about how other bookstores are tackling the things that we're tackling Mm -hmm. and coming away with like oh that's something we should try like that makes a lot of sense like even just today I told you I attended a session and I was like really um, excited about and it was about professional development for booksellers Mm -hmm. and I was really excited about the things I learned there so I gave the facilitator my email address because she had offered to send some of her materials Mm -hmm. and today she sent me her materials so So it's kind of cool like to just share amongst each other like here's what i found works well like you use it and that's what makes our industry so unique that it is a community of people who are all just hoping for the best for one another sharing their best practices with the intention that what makes you stronger will also make me stronger so we love you booksellers it was really cool to see you all to meet so many people to learn about your bookstores uh, just to find out what makes you unique Anyway, that was super fun. I would do it again. We will do it again. Next, you're in Cincinnati. Cincinnati. (laughs) (laughs) Might take a little bit of research to figure out what we're up to there. Um, But yeah, of course, back to the store, reorganized our YA section, did a little bit of other moving around. We'll see what you guys (laughs) think about it. We created a new uh, teeny section of horror. You guys read a lot of horror. Okay, we wanted to give it its Y'all proper, are fucked up. yeah, proper spotlight of horror shit. So look for that in the store. There um, was a guy in the store the other day, and he was really cute. Well, first we had an awkward interaction because I only saw him in profile, and he looked like one of my former students. And so I was like, kind of like looking at him closely to see if it was who I thought it was. It wasn't, but he caught me looking at him weird. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to be like. I'm not, I'm not being weird. I just, I thought you were somebody mm-hmm. and I knew him in middle school and kids go through puberty. Yeah. So I, you know, I was just trying to see if you were him as an adult. He was a great kid. Uh, anyway, this guy was like, I want horror, but I don't want to be scared. Like it has to be like th- something that would never happen in real life. Okay. What did you do? I gave him the only good Indians. Okay. I'm like, you know, unless you think deer are going to come back to life and like kill you, then you're okay. Right. Like that no. wouldn't happen in real life. No, no. But I thought that was an interesting request. I know. Like, <laughs> if it's something that could happen for real, I don't want it. Yeah. That's very challenging. Good so, recommendation, Ellen. Yeah, we'll see what he thinks. He's probably like, I'm never going back there. That lady's weird. <laughs> All right. So we're back. The store's been messed around with. We set up a book fair at Ames Middle School. We're really excited to share some really cool books with the teachers and the students next week during conferences or this week, um, as you will hear it. 
um, that's what we got going on. But we have a few new books hitting our shelves that we're excited about. Um, we have The Golden Spoon by Jessa Maxwell. This one sounds interesting yeah. to me. So it's kind of like the premise is it's this baking show mm-hmm. that's a little bit like the Great British Baking mm-hmm. Show. But it's at this like country estate in Vermont that is the childhood home of the host of the show, who is like America's most beloved baker. Yeah, this sounds perfect. Great British Bake Off people need to watch this. Murder happens. Ooh, ooh. Who did it? The Golden Spoon might be the glue. (laughs) So you can find that on our new release table this week. Next up is Pineapple Street by Jenny Jackson, which you've read. I did read it. And side note, Katie Vanderpool, one of our booksellers, says she's obsessed with this. Okay. So we have extra copies coming in. You go. Wow. Okay. So it reminded me a little bit of like Claire Lombardo, who I know mm. you love, um, The Latecomers. Yeah. So, so some of these books that are like, you know, sort of wealthier, maybe more upper class family, generational types of issues between siblings, mm-hmm. parents, whatever. Mm-hmm. So this follows a wealthy Brooklyn family and they have three grown children two girls and a guy and the guy is engaged to this woman Sasha who is like comes from like you know a much not the same background okay right more humble yeah I mean she's like a country girl Mm -hmm. and so she's in this family and there's just sort of this tension between her and his sisters but it follows the three women Sasha Darley and Francesca and they over the course of the novel kind of forge this bond as women um and the different things that they're facing. Okay, I'm excited. So it's a family story. It's not really like a a plot-driven story. There's not Mm -hmm. like this conflict that they have to overcome. It's more about their evolution over the course of a year and how their relationships evolve. I'm excited. I have a copy of this at home. And Sasha and her husband are living in the house he grew up in, the brownstone he grew up in. Mm. But the parents won't move any of the old shit out of it. And they are like, anytime she wants to sort of make it her own, they're like, Mm. hmm. Mm, so it's like familiar. how do you assert yourself in this family of old money, you know? Yeah. But they're all like good people trying to, yeah. you know, trying to figure things out. One of the greats, Margaret Atwood, has a collection of short stories coming out. It's called Old Babes in the Wood. That's like when I walk my dog in my woods, old babe in the woods. Yeah, you're totally an old babe in the woods. <laughs> um, it looks, it's described as looking deeply into the heart of family relationships, marriage, loss, and memory, and what it means to spend a life together. Oh, that sounds so good. Thank you, Margaret. No more post-apocalyptic. Actually, you know what? Everything she's written has come true. So, like, no more. She's, she's a prophet. She's a prophet. This is. We should start a church. Yeah. The religion (laughs) of Margaret Atwood. (laughs) Show us your ways, lady. Um, We have in paperback One Italian Summer, which has been a great bestseller in the store by Rebecca Searle. Um, You've read it, right, Rachel? One Italian Summer. Tell us about it. Uh, It deals with the loss of a mom and trying to understand what who you are without kind of your other half when your mom is your best friend. She's an adult woman who had been planning this Italian trip to Positano and her mother passed away. So she still makes a trip. But like before she leaves, she lets her husband know like she wants a divorce. She doesn't think she can be with him anymore. She's going through a like hard time of loss and not knowing who she is anymore. And so there's like 
Rebecca Searle always adds a little bit of magical realism in it where it's not obnoxious, but it's a nice little like, oh, suddenly you're back in time. And so she kind of she goes to the same hotel. She does the trip. But then suddenly she meets her mom at 20 years old. So she gets to see her mom and um, kind of know more about who that woman was as a 20 year old and what her mom was going through at the same time. So it's very interesting. I loved it. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. All right. Um, in new release for kids, we have a couple of exciting ones. Um, this one, A Bucket of Questions by Tim Fight, I'm so in love with. This was our subscription selection for the month. Um, it will be going out to our little, all our little kids who subscribe. We, we pick the very best of picture books each month and send it out to our subscribers for the puppy pack. Um, it's a hilarious picture book of curious questions, with refreshingly quirky answers. So I just want to read you the introduction to this book. It's hilarious. Ooh, Little story time. Read aloud. It says, Dear Reader, the person in quotations who wrote this book is wicky wonky, giggly googly, jingly janky, and 100% pookie pookie. <laughs> and just because an adult can almost answer a bucket of questions doesn't mean those answers will hold water. So I met him in the... Uh, author reception. He is a character. His <laughs> costume outfit, like he just is adorable. He was wearing like a striped, striped fisherman shirt and a <laughs> knit cap, and he just looked like a character. So this inscription totally makes sense. One of the questions he asks is, "Why do kids lose their teeth?" So his ridiculous answers are, um, "Kids are untidy. Of course, they're going to lose things." So he's, he's talking more about like losing track of, um, their teeth are so teeny. Where is that last tooth in this missing room? So you have to search a super cool illustration to find the lost tooth. Um, his final answer is to make room for a lucky raisin. So you lose the tooth, you shove your lucky raisin up in the hole, um, and then he illustrates some cool tooth fairies taking the tooth away. Anyway, he has answers for many funny questions. I love so it. So I got um, some questions from my six-year-old this yeah, last Yeah, tell us about it. <laughs> <laughs> we were in the car, and he's like, Mom, where did I get born? And I said, you got born at the hospital. <laughs> and he said, you got me there? I said, well, no, you, you were born there. And... He's like, where do babies come from? And I said, what, what do you know? And he's like, well, two eggs come together. And I was like, well, you're not, you know, you're, you're on the right track. So I, I explained in very straightforward scientific terms how babies are made. And then he goes, oh, my God, stop talking about weenies. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but and then I like his follow-up questions. He sat on this for a while, he and then did he came sit, back. He did sit on it for a while, and he came back, and he was like, um... <laughs> So, um, do you, ha you know how, when you make babies, do you have to be naked? And I said, well, I mean, mostly yes. <laughs> and he go and he's like, is there a way to have babies when you wear your clothes? And I was like, well, I mean, yeah, but you'd have to have your penis out. <laughs> and he was like, what about the girl? Wait, 
don't tell me girls have wieners. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, it kind of depends. But um, the point is, you know, if a person has a penis and a vagina, and he was like, and then later he asked me, so did, were you and dad naked? Oh. I said, yeah. And he goes, did you do long kissing? Oh. <laughs> or, or a fast kiss? <laughs> Oh my God, that's so extra. This is where these books come from. And you found a book for him. I did. And he lost his goddamn mind over it. Did he love it? No. He was like laughing. And my other son was like laughing, laughing, laughing. And I'm like, okay, you guys, it's not funny. Like, this is how it works. It's science. Yeah. And then last night, I got these books shipped from Winter Institute Mm -hmm. and I had some for Holden and they were on the table. And so I went up to his room when I got home last night and I said, Hey, there's some books for you on the table. And he's like, Is it another book about sax? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. This is so funny. Oh my God. That's so, talking about wieners. That's weird. That is, we do have books for that, listeners. If you need, it's to actually explain a really sex, good book. Yeah, if you need to explain sex or bodies or parts, we got them all. He was looking at it in the car. It's um, it's a book. It's, it's not, not the, the story. Mm-hmm. Was that, which is wonderful. He was like, "Oh my god, there's someone naked twerking." <laughs> Were they twerking? No. <laughs> I don't think so. No, the butt was maybe just like a little bit. Bumped out. Yeah. Mm, Interesting. (laughs) Hmm. Okay. Next up is Leva at Last by Sarah Pennypacker. Sarah Pennypacker, to put her in context, wrote Pax. Everybody loves Pax. She Uh, also wrote the series Clementine. This book is illustrated by Matthew Cordell. He's an award-winning illustrator, like a powerhouse team right here. So what they're trying to address in this book is what are people for? Big question. Um, that's what the main character, Leva Thornblossom, wants to know. Um, her mom says fame because she's the mayor of Nutsmore, this town. Her dad says money. He's the town treasurer. But with the help of an orphan badger, a risk-averse boy in a hazmat suit, and the town's library, she's going to figure out the real answer. So I love this idea. Like, Where? what are we for? Where's the orphan badger when I need some guidance? I know. Or a kid in a hazmat suit. Yeah. So that's what we have coming out this week that we're really excited about. Popping in the store. I will be at Storytime with Lovey. Uh, We'll be reading some Easter or spring themed books. Talking about eggs and chicks and flowers. Maybe also a story about... um, historic woman because it's women's history month we got to be reminded of the badass women who've made history so that's 10 a.m on wednesday thursday seven o'clock we have trivia you might still be able to sign up hit our webpage if it's full and you're interested in doing trivia we put up a sign up the sunday before um, every month so hit us up it's always a good time and then friday five o'clock we have totally graphic book club discussing victory stand raising my fist for justice okay so Keep keep the shambong flowing, flowing and the, <laughs> the books going. Cheers. Cheers. Another good week of reading. Uh, yeah. Remember, uh, subscribe, like, follow, because you want to find out what's happening in dog-eared books every single week. Yep. And if you don't live in Ames, you can always follow us on social or hit our website to order books. Follow us at, at dog-eared books Ames or at dog-eared books on TikTok. 
All right, listeners, keep the champagne flowing and the books going. This is so great. It's so great. (laughs) 